Faith. Matthew chapter 8, with a stop in Isaiah 53 and also a stop in 2 Kings 4. All right, let's pray and we'll go and get started. Heavenly Father, once again, just great to have everybody out here this morning on a cold, snowy day. But uh, Lord, you are a God of grace and mercy, and we're here to learn of you, to grow in you, to celebrate that. Uh, be with those that couldn't be with us this morning, your hand of health and just protection to be upon them. And once again, Lord, all these upcoming events, your hand, your blessing to be upon it, especially traveling to and from the movie today, just safety for all those involved. Thank you, Lord, in your name. Amen. Matthew chapter 8, we're going to do verses 1 through uh, 17 this morning, Lord willing, time willing. And what you're going to see this morning is numerous types of healings. And the first one you see in verses 1 through 4, you see Jesus healing a leper. In verses 5 through 13, you see the centurion's servant being healed. Verses 14 through 15, Peter's mother-in-law that had a fever that's healed. And then in verses 16 through 17, you see demon possession being cast out. You see healings, etc. happening there as well. The whole point of this is verse 17. That it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. The reason we're devoting this chapter to this is to show and to prove that Christ is the Messiah. Now, there's two P words here I want you to know. The first one is the proof. The reason we're showing this, the reason we're going through this, that the Spirit led Matthew to teach us, is the proof that Jesus is the Messiah. Because only the Messiah could do this. In just a few chapters, when John the Baptist is in jail, and he's writing, or I should say sending a messenger to Jesus, saying, are you the Messiah, or should we look for another? Christ's response is this, the deaf can hear, the mute can speak, the lame can walk, the blind can see. What he's saying is, only the Messiah could do these things. So right here we have this morning is numerous proofs of Christ being the Messiah. Now, if you go with me to Isaiah 53, let's look at the full context of this passage as well. Because we see the proof of the Messiah, but the other P word is the power of the Messiah as well. Isaiah chapter 53, one of the greatest chapters on the role of the Messiah. Start in verse 2. Isaiah 53 verse 2. For he meaning the Messiah, Jesus, shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness that we see him. There's no beauty that we should desire him. Let's just stop right there real quick. Speaking of who the Messiah is, speaking of Jesus, Jesus was just a regular-looking guy. We have this tendency to present him as the halo around the head, you know, type of thing. That wasn't happening. In fact, when they went to go rest him in the garden, why did Judas have to go kiss his cheek? Because if you would not have known who Jesus was, you would not have picked him out of a crowd. If we had 200 Jewish men right here, and we stopped and said, okay, which one's the Messiah 2,000 years ago? You wouldn't have been able to pick Jesus out. Now, we joke about this a lot. We always present Jesus as what? Wearing white. He's got the blue sash. He's always smiling. His hair is always cut beautiful. This beautiful trimmed beard. Truth be told, as a good Jewish man, he would have a very long beard. We have no idea what he wore on a day-in, day-out basis, per se. But the point is that there was nothing special looking about him that you would see him and say, that guy has to be the Messiah. 
So that's the first thing. Verse 3, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised. We did not esteem him. Jesus went through difficulties. He went through sorrows. He went through trials. He went through tribulations. It was something that here as a human being seeing Jesus, we did not want to be around this. Verse 4, surely he has borne our griefs, caused our sorrows, and we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. And that's that verse we were talking about here. Showing the proof of the Messiah. The Messiah is coming and healing, doing all these things. Once again, our first word is proof, and our second word is power. Only the Messiah could do it. And not only the physical diseases, not only the spiritual battles won, but verse 5, he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. So you see the proof. You see the power of God. That's what we're going to talk about here this morning. What you're also going to see this morning as we go through these four different miracles is we are represented in these miracles as well. You can see a picture of us and the problems we have with sin because these different diseases and sicknesses is a picture of sin. And it's a picture of how it affects us as well. So let's jump right into this. Matthew chapter 8 verse 1. When he, meaning Jesus, had come down from the mountains, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one, but go your way. Show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. You have to understand a little bit here of what was going on during Bible times. If you would ask the rabbis back then, they would say leprosy is the second worst thing that could happen to you. You know what the worst thing that could happen to you, according to a rabbi? Death. So leprosy was the second worst thing that they said could happen to you. It literally means smitten. This idea that this idea of you having leprosy was God had, had almost assaulted you, if you will. That he had cursed you. You were smitten with this leprosy. Now, Leviticus 13 has all these rules. And if you want to have a really interesting time with the Lord today, go home and read Leviticus 13, 14, and 15. Three great chapters all about skin diseases. That's exactly what it is. To the point that it talks about hairs growing out of moles. I'm just telling you, it's all in there. So what would happen back in Leviticus 13 is have all these rules for being a leper. Now, if you were a leper or thought you had a leper, you would be a leper. You would go to the priest. The priest would examine you, and the priest would make the decision if you had leprosy, if it was another skin disease. And depending on what the skin disease you had, it depends on how long you were considered unclean, everything you had to do. Leprosy was the worst. If you had leprosy, you had to move outside the camp. If you had leprosy, you had to walk around yelling, unclean, unclean. If someone came near you or in case you walked towards them. The rabbis added some rules. If you had leprosy, you could not get within six feet of somebody. And if you were, uh, I guess, upwind of them, they were downwind of you, you had to be 150 feet away from them. You were a complete outcast. You know, for me, if I was found out that I would have leprosy, I would not be able to see my children. I would not be able to be near my wife, be near my kids. I would live outside the camp. And if they came near me, I'm yelling unclean, unclean. I cannot stress to you enough that if you are a leper back during this time, how much of an outcast of society you were. Completely forgotten about. No one would want to think about you. No one would want to go near you. I cannot stress this to you enough. So if with that in the back of your mind, please look at verse 3 and really think about it. Jesus put out his hand and touched him. That's huge. That's the touch of the Messiah. That's the touch of the Savior to come and cleanse him of this leprosy. We talked about where are we in this? 
We're the lepers. Isaiah seems to make the connection that leprosy is a picture of sin. Because what does leprosy do? Leprosy spreads throughout your body. It destroys you. It eventually makes you numb to everything because it kills the nerve endings. Isn't that what sin does? It comes into your life and it just spreads. It destroys us. It makes us numb to life. And the only way it can be taken care of is through the touch of Jesus Christ. So, Jesus touches him. He is cleansed. Now, what should he do? Now, if this was happened nowadays, leprosy, touched, miracle, first thing you should do is what? Probably write a book. And after you write a book, you should make the book tour, and then you should get on every single station you could. Because we want to get the word out, right? First thing he says to him to do, verse 4, see that you tell no one. Now, doesn't that go against every class of evangelism we've ever had out here? Tell everybody about Jesus. Let the Lord know. Let everybody know what the Lord has done in your life. Be out there. Be a light and a witness. Jesus' class on evangelism for this specific case. See that you tell no one. Why? But go your way. Show yourself to the priest. And offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. He is supposed to tell people. And he's supposed to tell one person in particular, the priest. Remember, back to Leviticus 13, 14, and 15. If you have leprosy, you're going to the priest. The priest is the one that determines whether you're clean or unclean. At this time, there is no cure for leprosy. If you have leprosy, it is a curse you're done with for the rest of your life. So for a man to show up to the priest and say, Hey, could you check me out to make sure I'm clean? Why? Well, I had leprosy and I'm I'm cured now. That is unheard of. That, that is never even thought of. Somebody at the first service said, don't you think the priest would have to go find the scroll in Leviticus to say what's the steps to do? Because who would ever have thought of this? No one just got better with leprosy unless there was a special miracle. So he did tell someone. He told the priest. Now, what do you think that's going to do? Don't you think that priest, the next time he's in the break room at the temple, is going to tell the other priest, guess what happened today? Guy with leprosy came in. He's healed. I can't believe that. Well, it's not possible. I know. The only way that could be possible is if the Messiah is here. So even though we look at this and say, see that you tell no one, and it sounds like we're saying, keep it secret. No. The best person he could have told was the priest. Because the priest is going to tell the other priest. Those priests are going to tell other people. And all of a sudden, this message is going to go around. The guy got healed of leprosy. It's an amazing story. We are a picture of this man. We have the sin. We need to be touched by Jesus. And when we're touched by Jesus, we want to go tell people what the Lord has done for us. And when you tell people what the Lord has done for you, you're witnessing and sharing Christ and giving him the glory. So what a beautiful picture that is. And it's amazing how God can use circumstances to really represent him. You know, back in December, one of our kids uh, fell or jumped and broke his foot. It was a Nerf battle gone bad. So they were going for the feet. He jumped, missed, dodged the axe. That's good. Head on the ground, broke his foot, x-rays cast the whole nine yards. So we've been going to the doctor all these times, get it checked out again. Can we take the cast off, et cetera? So as we're leaving, you know, we're in this elevator and we're going down. Someone sees a little boy with a broken foot. Obviously, they start asking questions. Oh, what happened, et cetera? Uh, Nerf battle that went bad. So you're telling them about this. But then at the time, you get to say, and this is what I would say. I said, isn't it amazing? God has designed this body to heal. I said, you know, here it is, a broken foot, and God has designed this body to heal. I said, isn't that amazing? Boy, talk about a conversation killer. The whole rest of the elevator ride is pretty quiet. But it's, it's an opportunity just to say, I want to tell you what the Lord did. 
Here's a broken foot that is healed. There's no medicine to do that. There's nothing. It's a God's design of the body. And let me tell you what the Lord did. What a neat picture this is. And don't skip over verse 2 either. Behold, a leper came and worshipped him. Saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. He's worshipping even before the healing happened. You've heard me say this many times. So often we look at worship as, God, you have earned my praise this week. No, God is God. He is worthy of praise no matter what. This man is worshiping while still having leprosy. So that's a picture of us, leprosy. It it takes over the body. It destroys us. It kills us. It spreads. We need to be healed by the touch of Jesus. What about our next miracle? Verse 5, now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I am also a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Surely I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Remember, this man is a Gentile. A Gentile is anybody who is not Jewish. This Gentile would be considered unclean. To the Jews, Jesus is saying, look at this. This Gentile has more faith than what I'm finding in Israel. Verse 11. And I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. That's us, the Gentiles. We will get to come partake of salvation with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. The Gentiles with the Jews. Verse 12. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into utter darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The sons of the kingdom, the Jews that are rejecting the Messiah, will be cast out as the Gentiles come in. Verse 13. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as have you believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Now, what an amazing miracle this is. As we mentioned before, here's this Roman soldier. Not just a soldier. This is a man of power, a centurion, a man of leadership, brave, skillful. And in other gospel accounts, this man had money. This guy in this society was a man of power, prestige. But yet, what is he doing? Verse 5, he's just humble. Coming to the Lord, pleading with him. And I, verse 8, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. Only speak a word, and my servant will be healed. First story, touch. Second story, word. Keep that in the back of your mind there a little bit. Now, what was wrong with him? Verse 6, his servant was paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. Isn't that a picture of sin again? Sin just completely paralyzes you. Sin just torments you. You know, when we're caught up in sin, we're not thinking about spreading the gospel. We're not thinking about going deeper in the word. We're not thinking about service and ministry. We're thinking about the power that sin has over us. And I'm just completely, utterly paralyzed by this. And it leads to this torment. It's an awful place to be. Leprosy, it kills us. It spreads. It makes us numb. Here, sin paralyzes us, torments us until the word of Jesus comes and heals us. What a beautiful picture that is. Once again, we're showing the Messiah, having the proof of being the Messiah and the power of God of being the Messiah as well. This man in faith says, just say the word. And Jesus says the word. And what a beautiful picture that is. What about our next one? Verse 14. Now, when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laying sick with a fever. So he touched her hand and the fever left her and she arose and served them. Peter's mother-in-law being healed. What does sin do to us here? We just lie down and do nothing. Verse 14. 
You've had that. I know there's been junk going around here the last couple months, that cough, congestion stuff with the fever, and you just lie there. You don't even get up. You don't even feel like doing anything. Ultimately, that's what sin does to us. It's not about living life. It's not about representing the Lord. It's not about a deep purpose. It's about just being there. I just get up. I go to work. I come home. I pay the bills. I make sure the house is clean. I make sure the laundry is taken care of. There's no deeper purpose in life. There's no nothing. I just lie here. No, there's something more. Because when you are, once again, verse 15, touched by Christ, she arose and she served them. She served them. There became a purpose when we are touched by the Lord. John 15, 8 says that God is glorified when we produce fruit for Him. Design created to glorify God. And how can we glorify God? Glorify God by representing Him, by producing fruit for Him through the Spirit, getting out there and being a light and a witness. I'm telling you right now, The most fulfillment you can have in life is when you're in God's will doing what he's called you to do. What a beautiful picture that is. And if you're sitting here thinking, I don't know what that is for me. I got some great verses I would love to share with you to show you and just to have you pray through. Lord, what is your will for my life? You know, we throw out all these opportunities. You know, you go fix a roof. You can go to a church service at Holgate Nursing Home. You can go do this. You can go do that. Like we said earlier, it's not about spinning our wheels. It's about saying, Lord, I want to do something for you. I want to be spirit-led and make a difference in all I say and do to impact where I live and where I work. Had the fever, she's touched, she's healed, she arises, and she serves. That's what's supposed to happen with us. One last one, verse 16. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word. And healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Now we've come full circle. The first passage we talked about shows the proof of him being the Messiah, shows the power of God. And now we've seen that as we've gone through these passages here. Remember, we are in here. That leprosy is us, that sin That makes us an outcast until Jesus comes and touches us. We are the one, in verse 6, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented until Christ comes and speaks the word. We are the one that is lying there with no purpose, no nothing. Verse 15, we're touched and now we can go serve him. That is what we're supposed to do. So, once we're touched by the Lord, what are we supposed to do? Verse 4, let's go tell people about what he's done. Once we're touched by the Lord, what are we supposed to do? Let's go serve, just like Peter's mother-in-law. See, a lot of times I see people get touched by the Lord, but they let life just kind of continue the same. How can you continue down the same path when you see what Christ has done for you? How can we be the same when we're supposed to be a new creation in Christ? I think it was Spurgeon that said this, something to the effect of, That if you're still the same after you got saved as you were before you got saved, then what exactly did Jesus save you from? We're supposed to be a new creation in Christ, new purpose, new direction, new everything. And what you see here, this leper, I'm going to go tell people, Peter's mother-in-law, I'm going to go serve. And there is a purpose to what I'm doing, so let's do that. So now let's take this lesson. We've talked about the spiritual side of it. we talked about the Messiah side of it. Let's make this practical now. How do we do this? Well... Number one, there's lepers all around you. Now, they actually don't have leprosy, but they're the outcasts of society that you really don't want anything to do with. Neither do I. We kind of ignore them. We kind of don't want to make eye contact with them, and we don't want to be near them. You may have somebody at work that is that leper. You just don't want to be near it. That person at school, I just don't want to be near them. Family member, I just don't want to be near them. People in society that we see, we say, I just don't want to be near them. 
Jesus said those are the ones we're supposed to go and touch. We have people here that are lying in bed sick. They have no purpose. They have no direction. They have no nothing. There's no service. There's no nothing. What are we going to do? Are we going to point them towards the right direction? There's people, verse 6, that are paralyzed, dreadfully tormented in sin. We have the answer in Christ. Let's speak the word. Show them Jesus Christ. But what are we going to do? I think sometimes what we do as a society, and dare I say sometimes as a church as a whole, is we spend all of our time trying to make us as comfortable as possible and trying to stay away from the unclean, the paralyzed, the tormented, the sick. We don't want to do that. It's difficult, isn't it? It's difficult to go minister at a nursing home. It's difficult to go do a hospital visit. It's difficult to go over to someone's house when they just lost a loved one and you don't have words to say. It's difficult when there's sickness going around. We've had sickness going around our house here the last couple months. There's nine of us living there. I'm all for quarantining people and sending them outside the camp. I don't care that it's winter. Go outside. I want my kids to yell unclean, unclean when they're coming near me. We still as a society sometimes think this. And Jesus is saying, are you willing to go touch them? Are you willing to go speak the word? Are you willing to go get involved in their lives? Because that's what we're called to do. Let's talk about a practical example of this. Can you go with me to 2 Kings 4, please? 2 Kings 4. 2 Kings 4 is one of my favorite stories of ministry. Of really just getting out there and what does it look like to practically get involved in people's lives. A little bit of background that you have here going on in 2 Kings 4 is you have this great story of Elisha. And Elisha raising the Shunammite woman's son. Now, the background to this, and I encourage you, when you have more time, read all of 2 Kings 4. It's a great chapter. But basically, she is willing to open up her house. She blesses Elisha. Elisha says, hey, you're going to be blessed and you're going to have a child. And you're going to have this special miracle son. Because what? look at verse 14. Actually, she has no son and her husband is old. So he said, call her. When he had called her, she stood at the door. And he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. But the woman conceived and bore a son, which the appointed time had come, of which Elisha told her. So she's blessed with this miracle child. Now, as you read on, what happens, though, is the child dies. Verse 18, and the child grew. Now it happened one day that he went out to his father, to the reapers, and he said to his father, my head, my head. So he said to a servant, carry him to his mother. When he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. The grief of a mother. I mean, awful. Here's this child that was not going to happen. This child that had miraculously happened. And now this child is tragically taken. So what does she do? She goes right to Elisha. She goes right to Elisha. And she says, verse 28, she said, did I ask a son of my Lord? Did I say, do not deceive me? What she's basically saying is, why did you do this to me? Why why did you give me this amazing high of this child just to see this child be taken away? Why did you send me through this emotional roller coaster? What was the point of this? What is the point of this? So what happens? Verse 29, he, meaning Elisha, says to Gehazi, Get yourself ready, take my staff in your hand, and be on your way. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. If anyone greets you, do not answer him, but lay my staff on the face of the child. Gehazi, get there. If anybody wants to talk to you, don't. You don't talk to anybody. Your sole purpose in life is to get to this dead child. Verse 30, and the mother of the child said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her. Now Gehazi went on ahead of them and laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Therefore he went back to meet him and told him, saying, The child is not awakened. Tried, nothing happened. 
Verse 32, when Elisha came into the house, there was the child laying dead on his bed. He went in, therefore, shut the door behind the two of them, and he prayed to the Lord. And he went up and lay on his child, put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, his hands on his hands, and he stretched him out on the child, and the flesh of the child became warm. Verse 34 is one of the most awkward verses in the Bible. It really is. When you envision what's going on here, this child is laying there dead, and here's this grown man that, that is literally laying on top of him. That, that, that's awkward. That's strange. That's uncomfortable. That's weird. Do you realize that I think that's the best way to describe ministry? It's awkward. It's weird. It's uncomfortable. It's strange. When you really get involved in someone's life, you hear things that you really don't want to hear. You see things you really don't want to see. It's awkward. And so what happens is most of us, when it comes to ministry, we want to do the Gehazia ministry. I, I just want to touch them with the staff. I don't want to get my hands dirty. I'm just going to touch them with the staff and just keep a distance. But for real ministry to happen, there has to be contact. And you look at this with Jesus touching the leper. You see Jesus touching Peter's mother-in-law. Jesus shouldn't have touched the leper. That's against the rules. But for real ministry to happen, you have to get out there and get your hands dirty. And it's going to be awkward. It's going to be tough. It's going to be weird. It's going to be strange. Those co-workers, those other students, those family members that you want to keep a distance from, God sometimes may be saying, you need to get in there and you need to get close to them. Okay, well, James, I have gotten close to them. It was awkward. It was strange. Nothing happened. Verse 34, something did happen. The child became warm. Verse 35, he returned and walked back and forth in the house. And again, he went up, stretched himself on him. And the child sneezed seven times. And the child opened his eyes. He had to go do it again. I, I realize most of the time when I'm coming to sharing my faith with people, I always want that miraculous experience of, I've never met you. You've never met me. I talk to you for 30 seconds. You hit your knees. You get saved. Amen. The biggest impact I've ever seen in ministry for me is building the relationships and talking. And just constantly being around them and sharing scriptures in the Lord and letting your life influence them. Just like Elisha, it's the constant contact again and again. The child is miraculously better. Verse 36, he called Gehazi and said, call the Shumanite woman. So he called her and when she came into him, she said, pick up your son. So she went in, fell at his feet, bowed to the ground, and then she picked up her son and went out. What an amazing miracle. And I look at this and I see Jesus touching the leper. I see Jesus touching Peter's mother-in-law. I see Elisha here. And I see the importance of contact with people. Being willing to open up your life to them and being willing to get involved in their life. Once again, so often in life, in the tough situations, we want to get in, get out. Get in, make my parents, get out. And what Jesus is really saying is sometimes those co-workers, those friends, those family members, those students, that you want them to yell unclean, unclean, are the ones that you're really supposed to go in and say, get to know them, minister to them. Well, I'm trying that, nothing's happening. Yeah, the body's becoming warm. Sometimes it takes a couple steps. Okay, well, what about the centurion, though? That was just speak a word, right? See, I've also noticed sometimes in ministry, there's times where there's actual contact, and there's times where I desperately desire contact. Lord, open a door. I really want to talk to this person. I really want to minister to them. And the door never opens. So what do I do then? I just speak the word. Lord, please speak to this person's heart. Convict their heart of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Lord, open a door that I may speak to them. You may be able to have contact with people. I and mean, there's other people you may earnestly desire to see them go deeper. And you may not be able to. 
That's where I think it's the importance of also just knowing the power of the word. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to give the, just give them over to the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray verses for them and just trust that the Lord is moving and working. Once again, you may desire contact. Contact may not be there. You can still do the centurion way. Just speak the word, Lord. Speak the word. That's why we can have an impact all over the world at one time. When you come into the church, there's that missions board right to your left. There's missionaries that we support literally all over the world. Okay, I'm not making contact with people in Africa. I'm not making contact with people over in Europe. But I'm praying for the people that are. And I'm speaking the word that the Lord moved. Let the Holy Spirit lead. Help the Holy Spirit guide. And that's part of the beauty of this. No matter what place you're in, you can make the contact with them and minister to them face to face. Or it's by word. Listen, you may be here this morning. You may have a child, a grandchild, a co-worker, a friend, a family member. I don't know what it is. And you earnestly desire something to move in their life. But you don't have the contact. And your heart breaks for that. Let the story of the centurion servant being healed speak peace to your heart. That just by the word, Lord, praying for them, giving to them. Sometimes there's the contact and sometimes there's the word. And we just need to trust that the Lord can move through any one of those situations. The question is, are we willing Are we available? Or are we turning our back to the unclean, unclean? I just don't want to deal with it. But help us, Lord, to have the heart like Jesus, to get out there and to be willing to touch the lepers. And as we have been touched and we have been healed through our sin, we're no longer paralyzed, tormented, leprosy, fever. We can get up, spread the faith, spread the gospel, and serve because of what Christ has done for us. And when I tell you that's where you'll find True fulfillment. Just like Peter's mother-in-law got up and served. I'm telling you, that's where you're going to find that fulfillment there and that peace. Hey, worship team, if you come forward here. Hey, let's pray this into our lives. Heavenly Father, you have touched us and we want to go out and impact other people. And Lord, if there's someone here today that is paralyzed, tormented in sin, show them what you can do. Show them you are the Messiah. You are the one that takes away the sins of the world. The power of God and the proof of God. Lord, help us to go out and impact people through you, through your leading of the Spirit and all that we say and do. Lord, if you've called us to that type of contact, open the doors and give us the heart to step through it and the fulfillment of serving you. And Lord, if those doors are not open, then help us in faith just to pray, to seek you, and just give them over to you, Lord. You can move in all ways, and thank you for being a God that hears and cares. We pray for safety to and from today, the movie theater, and just a blessing of fellowship, and just uh, for the movie to impact people through your spirit. All these upcoming service projects and Bible studies, all for you, Lord. And we just pray your blessing upon the upcoming small groups in May as well. And the different ladies' ministries coming up, too. We love you and we praise you, Lord, in your name. Amen.